Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. Okay, welcome into another episode of the Clap Trap. We have some good stuff to talk about in today's episode. Well, not good from a mental standpoint if you're a Bruins or Celtics fan, but we have some good topics to get into today as the Bruins and Celtics both lost last night. Celtics doing so at home in overtime to the New York Knicks. The Bruins doing it in regulation uh, down in Tampa Bay to the Lightning. That was a tough game there. We've also got some Patriots news to get into, some overall NFL news to talk about. Uh, so this this should be a, a good episode to end off the week. I hope you guys are having a great week out there and you're ready for the weekend. I know I am. Uh, and some good NFL games coming up as well this weekend. But we're starting off with the Celtics last night. Tough loss for the squad in overtime to the New York Knicks. You had a chance to beat them in this one. You had a chance after coming back late. Uh, being down after a monstrous performance by Julius Randle on the other side. It seemed like nobody could stop him from doing whatever he wanted to after the game. He was quoted in a little uh, interview saying he was dunking like he felt like he was back in high school. That guy was having the game of his of his life at that point. He was having just fun, could do whatever he wanted. 37 points scored in that one. Uh, Tatum had some good moments. Had a chance to clutch it up late with a big two. Wasn't able to do that one. Uh, Jalen Brown, obviously, with the two missed free throws at the end of the game, that's going to be brutal, and and you hate to see that. You hate to watch it. It was, uh, yeah, it was just hard to watch. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I know uh, I've said before, Jalen Brown, if he on the free throws at certain times, he he certainly was at the end here, but. He was five for five before that, before he missed two straight in overtime. I know that they were doing uh, the announcer's curse and everything like that. I know Reggie Miller called that out uh, during the broadcast. But 7.8 seconds left in overtime, down one point. Jalen Brown drives, tries to go up, gets fouled, goes to the line. Five for five that game so far, and he bricks both of them. I mean, the first one didn't even look close. Second one wasn't that much better. Uh, and, and then to, to kick a man while he's down, you go down to the other side and we foul their guy. Uh, I think it was RJ Barrett who was going to hit the, the free throws at that point. And you just get the camera zoom in on Julius Randle laughing at Jalen Brown right in his face. That was tough. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so a brutal one overall after coming off of not being able to beat the Miami Heat who had no butler in the game they're in a bad spot right now the celtics these last couple of games three game losing streak and i hate to say i hate to even ask the one piece that we've been missing during this entire process has been marcus smart so is is marcus smart the thing that this team is missing right now that they need desperately to be able to compete with some of these teams i don't think so but it certainly is showing since marcus smart you know, getting uh, having to take some rest time with the injury, uh, he's out, and now you're not able to score some points. You're not able to d up at certain times in the games. I don't know. I, I, as as I always say, Marcus Smart. You know, he considered himself the heart and soul of that team. 
I don't, but he does. And so maybe that's the case there. Maybe they need they really needed him, but I mean turnovers wasn't the problem. Celtics, yes, they out they we had more turnovers 13 to 8, but 13 has never been a problem for us. This team, once you get up to 15, 16, 17 or more turnovers, that's when they start to really struggle in these games over this last year and a half. So that wasn't the problem. I mean, nobody could stop Randall, obviously. Nobody could really stop Brunson either. He might be, uh, you know, exactly what the Knicks needed at a point guard position going forward. That that duo is pretty good. They also have R.J. Barrett, who was consistently uh, contributing for their team and quickly off the bench. Uh, he scored pretty well as well. So it seemed like they had a solid four contributors on the scoring side throughout the entire game, whereas the Celtics only had Tatum and then Brown. And that's really it. I mean, uh, Derek White wasn't giving you enough. Even though he scored another 10, you didn't get really anything from the bench. Brogdon not having his best game. So, you know, it was a tough one overall. But I don't know. These last couple of games, is it is it really Marcus Smart that this team is missing that's making it so hard for them to win and compete in these matchups? Like I said, you, you go against a Heat team without uh, uh, Butler – and all of a sudden, you you can't even beat that team. You come uh, you come here for the Knicks. You're at home. You get a little bit of home cooking, and you still can't win and pull that one off. Obviously, every team is going to be hungry going up against the Celtics right now. Uh, this year, the end of last year, teams are hungry seeing what the Celtics are doing. They're going to give you their best shot every single time. But I don't know. You you would hope that you were going to get something more from the team other than Tatum and Brown, but this is a make-miss league, and, and if you're going to miss a lot, especially free throws late, you're not going to be able to win games. That's just how uh, things go. All right, it's time for our first break, but when we come back, we'll keep talking about the Celtics and everything they did in the game against the Knicks last night here on 90.7 WKKL. The Clap Trap with your host, Zach Clap. We're back and talking all about the Celtics-Knicks game last night. Let's get back into it. I mean, it was a great comeback, obviously. Tatum, clutch shots, uh, you know, the, the whole squad. Rob Williams making crazy diving defensive plays and things like that. Love to see it. Uh, but it just fell a little too short at the end. And, man, it was just brutal to watch Jalen Brown miss those free throws back-to-back. -back. That, that was just... Uh, that was tough. I, I don't know what else to say about that, to be honest. He he's like I said, he he randomly will go into these moments where it's like he doesn't know how to shoot free throws. I mean, the guy is an amazing player. He's a top 25 possible player in the entire league. People talk about him as he should be up there in the conversation whenever you bring up Tatum. I mean, start talking about Jalen Brown as well. But there is something about that free throw game that he just I, I don't know in in Certain moments he goes into a position, a place where he is just learning how to shoot free throws again. I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is. So uh, hopefully this team can rebound uh, back off of this one. They got a game on Saturday against the Lakers at home. That should be good, though. The Lakers, who just traded for, I'm going to butcher this name, but Hachimura or ha Hachimara, whatever, however you pronounce that that name, the guy, I believe he was on the Wizards before, traded him 
to the Lakers, and that gave them a little bit of a boost and, and a different style of offense, some more cutting and shooting that he's able to provide for them. So the Lakers are going to look different in this one. It's not that Lakers team that we thought we were seeing all year where they were falling apart. They are trying to pull things back together, even though LeBron James was just seen once again on the sidelines pouting for a good you know couple of minutes. Camera trained right on him, saw that uh, all over social media as well. So you got a, a game on Saturday. 8.30, you can maybe bounce back and 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 show something against that Lakers squad. You know that Tatum's going to want to try and get up against LeBron. Uh, it's, it's Celtics-Lakers, and the Celtics are at home, so I'm expecting a good one there, especially bouncing back off of these three straight losses. That's what you're hoping for. That's what you're hoping for. That's what you think is going to happen. Uh, I, I would think that they're going to get up for this game, and I would expect a good performance. I would also expect Jalen Brown, uh, assuming he plays in this one to go nuts. That's probably eating away at him, eating those, uh, you know, missing those two free throws at the end of the game with a chance to win it. That's got to be eating away at him. So I would expect a big game out of Jalen Brown. If you're a gambler, maybe go over on his points. He's going to be mad. And then Tatum always gets up against LeBron. So those two, I would expect a huge game on Saturday uh, against the Lakers, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not at all worried about this team. I think that they obviously can figure their stuff out. I, I, the only thing I am worried about is their mentality because when they want to, when they want to turn it on, they're good to go, right? You've seen that since the beginning of this season. Everybody's saying that there was going to be a rocky start to start off here, losing your head coach and everything like that. Turned it on from the beginning, knew what they were going to do, knew what type of a team they were, played their game, went out and got the best record in the league. Sure, they're having some speed bumps right now, but am I worried that this team can't turn it right on when they need to? No. Am I worried that they're already in the mindset of we can take some regular season games off because that's how all NBA athletes seem to act nowadays? Yes, of course. That's just how the NBA is, though. So you have to kind of deal with it and just move on and hope that your team will actually turn it on when they need to in the in the primetime moments, in the big-time games when you get to the playoffs. So I believe in that. It's frustrating that they have these kind of, uh, you know, lulls in the season where it's like they're acting like, okay, we can just kind of show up where the Boston Celtics and we'll be fine. We have way more than enough talent. They do. They do. But you still can't do that on a night to night basis. You still have to go out there and win the game. I even saw it was Ke the Kevin Garnett and uh, Paul Pierce podcast that they've been doing. Pierce is going out there and saying, what can this Celtics team do to keep motivated to keep themselves in the right or going in the right direction and he said just fall in love with the process you have to be in love with the process you have to be in love with the day-to-day -day stuff with going to practice which sh with showing up every single night and looking into that specific game and enjoying going out there and trying to fight for your team and try and get every single win that you can that's what you have to get into playoffs you worry about the playoffs when you get there right now you still have to finish the regular season first that's a part of the process then the next step will be competing in the playoffs. Then hopefully and assumedly, at least from my part, competing in the finals. That is the part of the process that you have to go through. That's what Paul Pierce is saying to Garnett. Uh, and I, I fully believe that's the way that all NBA players should be looking at it. Do they do that? No. Is that how they're going to change up their mindset? I don't think so. But that is what you should be doing. You should be looking at it as a process, a step-by-step 
program almost that you have to follow. First, it's show up in the regular season, take care of business there, then show up in the playoffs, take care of business there, and then show up in the finals and take care of business there. That's what this pay- this Celtics team needs to do. That's how they should be looking at it. I hope they can get more into that mindset, and I hope that they don't just throw games when Marcus Smart is not in the lineup. I, that shouldn't be a thing, so <laughs> I know that it's not. Okay, time for another break, but when we come back, we're going to switch things up from the Celtics to the Bruins, so keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Claptrap after this. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back, and we're about to switch things up from the Celtics on to the Bruins. Here we go. There was another team that played last night, and that was the Bruins. A tough loss to the Lightning in this one, uh, losing 3-2 to two in a battle that ended up going uh, right down to the wire, pretty much, uh, in this one here. A battle of two top-tier teams. The Lightning have been playing a lot better lately, especially since December. They're starting to get their legs and their game plan going, so you knew it was going to be a tough one. Going down, playing in Tampa Bay, that was a a rough uh, you know thing that you have to overcome to be able to do that, but the Bruins were able to hold their own in this one. The Bruins were able to, you know, obviously coming off of that win against Montreal uh, the other night, big win for them up in Canada. Now you go down to Tampa, and the Bruins were able to hold their own. Not able to pull off the win, but able to hold their own. I, I just, but to start it all off, I, I mean, I'm not one that is good when judging jerseys, these new jerseys. They're always coming out with new ones, NFL, NHL, NBA. They're all coming out with brand new jerseys. MLB does it as well. They obviously got to sell jerseys, things like that. But these retro, reverse retro lightning jerseys were just gross. I, I, I mean, once again, when you hear me talk about these jerseys, most of the time I don't like the new ones. I think that they try and do too many crazy things uh, and it comes off bad to me. But these Lightning ones, I hope that we can all objectively look at these things and say that they're gross. I know that you're trying to go back. You're trying to do the the retro stuff, the things that they had in the 90s. Uh, I think this was a, a jersey that they had, you know, mid-90s, something like that. Uh, but I don't even know if those, the, the I, I guess I should have looked more into it. But on the wrist, near the wrist, they have those weird black areas with the, the gold lightning bolt on there that completely clashes with the rest of the color scheme. Look at me, Zach, trying to talk about color schemes and things like that. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but it just looks gross to me. I'm not a fan. So that's where I had to start with that. That that jersey, I don't know. Do something else with it. Figure something else out because I, I don't think that that's what you guys should be wearing. Who knows? Maybe Tampa Bay fans like it. Also, maybe other fans like it. I don't know. I Like I said, I'm not the best with – uh. Jerseys, I don't like a lot of them, but these ones, the I hope that we can all agree that these ones are gross. But anyways, on to the game itself. Uh, the Lightning got out to the early lead, one nothing because Brandon Carlo, like what else do I have to say? Brand, Brandon Carlo, like, what is he doing sometimes? I don't understand his thought. Yeah, sure, he can show flashes of being the big defender that we need. He can show flashes on on both sides of being, he can be tough, he can fight, he can, you know, there's there's parts of his game that he can do decently enough that you want to keep him on there. But then there's mind-blowing moments that he has all throughout. He had two of them, two major flub-ups in this one that I I, I couldn't believe, at least from my mind. 
the first goal was all on Carlo. The the first goal, I mean, a, a little bit on Charlie Coyle because he had a chance to kind of get over to that to, to defend the front of the net. But when you have both defensemen going into the corner to fight for the puck, something's something's usually wrong in that scenario. You shouldn't have a fully committed both defenders into the corner, and those are the only two guys really fighting for the puck because then you're going to have a problem with somebody being in front of your net. And that's exactly what happened on this first goal. Lightning just stick somebody right in front of the net while Carlo, instead of being there to, to, to bother that guy, to defend that guy, he's in the corner trying to fight for the puck. And then you have Charlie Coyle on the other side covering nobody in no man's land, and he doesn't even go to get that guy in front of the net. I can't really blame that one on Olmark because of the fact that you just allowed a, a, a player from the Lightning to just sit his butt right in front of the net and be ready to collect that pass and score. So why do we have both defensemen in the corner? I know it happens, but let's not act like it's supposed to happen. That that was crazy. Then the next thing that happens in the game, he had that fight between Connor Clifton and Corey Perry. And I think that at this point, Corey Perry should never fight ever again in the NHL. I know he's older. He's 37 years old at this point, but he is listed at 6'3", 206. He went up against Connor Clifton, listed, listed at 5'11", listed at 5'11". I don't think he's 5'11". 190 10 years his uh, 10 years his junior younger than him Corey Perry like I said listed at uh, or coming in at 37 years old Connor Clifton at 27 years old and it looked like Connor Clifton ragdolled Perry around in that one it didn't seem like Perry could keep his feet I don't even know necessarily if there was any major punches landed I guess Clifton maybe a couple that were decent but it was more about Perry not being able to keep his feet it seemed like Clifton was just grabbing him and, and yanking him around there until he fell onto the ground. So Corey Perry, I don't know. I, I, I get it. You're still doing your thing. You still have some skill, but maybe just stick away from the fighting at this point. I don't think that that's your thing anymore uh, in that one. We got another break coming in right now before we continue talking about the Bruins. So keep it here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Claptrap after this. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back and talking all about the Bruins lightning game from last night. Let's get back to it. You had both sides getting lots of opportunities. Obviously, a lot of great offensive weapons on both sides of the puck in this one. Allmark was stoning uh, guys left and right. He played good in this one. Good enough, I would say, to win this game. Uh, he he stoned Stamkos on a great breakaway. Then you had, going back the other way, you had... Uh, Pasternak getting the easy turnover from, I think it was Hedman behind the net who just basically let like lob the puck out in front of the net for no reason. Thought maybe one of his defenders was there with him. Pasta picks it up and immediately passes it over to Krejci. Love the, the chem, the chemistry on those guys is beautiful. It's just beautiful. Krejci and Pasta, it should have been that way the entire time, but the chemistry on those two is beautiful. And then, what are you supposed to do on that face-off goal for the Lightning? What, Like, honestly, what do you – I mean, short of winning the face-off, which Krejci also was arguing the ref about the the puck drop. He didn't seem ready for the puck drop at all. So clean face-off win for the Lightning. Right to his player. He throws it at the net. Ton of traffic in front of Olmark's eyes, and he can't see it. Obviously, it goes past him for the 2-1 lead. But what are you supposed to do if you're Olmark? I, I, I don't know. Goal, a goalie position is already a crazy position as is. What are you supposed to do when you can't – it's just bang, bang, right off the face-off like that. And like I said, Krejci was fighting with the ref or, or at least talking to him about it, arguing with him about the puck drop there. So, 
I don't know, maybe that one should have been looked into a little bit more, but man, uh, what are you supposed to do? What, do you, what are you supposed to do on that one? So I, I don't know. I think that Omar played great in this game. I honestly, I, I know I'm an Omar defender. I've liked him since day one. I liked him even when people were crapping on him for the contract. You saw what he was able to do with the Buffalo Sabres, even though he was on the worst team in the league. Some great statistics. You thought just put a good team in front of him. He could do something. He's proven that this year, last year, he wasn't as good. Obviously, how could you be this good? He is having a a, a all-time record-breaking season, Omar is this year, but he played great in this one. I don't put any of the goals on him. I know I'm an old Mark apologist. You know, you can you can feel whatever way you want to about that, but I didn't see anything wrong with him in this game. How are you supposed to stop that second one off the faceoff? The first one, both your defensemen left you out to dry with a guy just sitting there right in your crease, basically, waiting to get a puck. And then, uh, you know, yeah. And then you go on from there to the end of the game. You had... I don't know what the hell Carlo was doing on this one, too. He just basically was skating backwards towards Olmark, trying to defend the two-on-one. The two-on-one pass goes, like, wide to the corner or whatever it was at that moment. But Carlo just falls backwards onto Olmark. He just loses his balance and falls backwards onto him. So now Olmark's out of position. They get the puck immediately, throw it back towards the net. It's a goal. Game over. That's That's how they win the game. Carlo fell on Olmark, and then that that was it. That Olmark's out of position. They get an easy goal. So all three of those goals, in my opinion, not Olmark's fault, and two of them largely on Carlo, Brandon Carlo. So once again, we're looking at this team and thinking, yes, of course, they need uh, a, a new defensive blood in there. They need a new defensive defenseman, somebody who is going to be able to be a consistently good on that side of the puck, we have enough offense on the defense, the defensive unit between McAvoy and what Lindholm's been able to do. Some of the goals that he's had recently and some of the passes and everything he's been able to do offensively, outstanding. Still question a little bit of his defense, but outstanding offensively. Now it's time to go get somebody else that can really be that third defender, at least a third defender, because you still got Grizzly, you still got Clifton. These guys can piece together little moments. And if you buried Carlo down as the third D pairing, sure, he'd be good in that position. I'm sure he won't want to be in that position, but he could be good in that position. But he is just making some horrible plays in these games right now. You need to get him out of there. He needs to have less of a, a a minute share. I know that you can't really now. He he's a big part of your depth on that defensive side. But I don't I don't know what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go out there and get somebody who's going to be able to step in in front of him. You can't just have your defense making bonehead decisions in front of the net, leaving leaving the opposing player right in front of your goalie, and then also later on in the game you just fall on your goaltender and and lose you the game. That's you can't have it. Can't have it. So tough there, Bruins and. Celtics still doing great, uh, so you love to see that. But otherwise, uh, still a little bit of speed bumps from both teams there. So We got another break now before we switch things up from the Bruins to the Patriots. So keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Claptrap after this. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Okay, we're back and switching things up from the Bruins to the Patriots and the NFL. Let's get into it. We got one more uh, topic or, or, or conversation to have, though, to finish off the show. We're going to start talking about the NFL now. Obviously, the, the Patriots made a big signing, bringing in Bill O'Brien to be the offensive coordinator now for this Patriots team. That's exactly what we wanted. 
uh, as as Patriots fans. The checklist was there. You had uh, this team needs to go out there and get themselves an offensive coordinator. Then they have to shore up that offensive line and they have to, well, not have to, but I want them to go and get themselves another offensive weapon, preferably a number one wide receiver, a legitimate number one wide receiver. But you checked off one of those boxes. You got yourself an offensive coordinator. And regardless of how you feel about him, because some people don't trust him. Some people don't like Bill O'Brien. They don't like what he did down in Alabama. And they don't think that he actually did anything. They think that he just had a bunch of good players. But that's what everybody says about coaches all the time. It's just, oh, it's just the players. When you don't want to like a coach, it's because, oh, he had great players. Or it's his fault if something went wrong. So coaching is hard to be objective on. I know that. Uh, but it's good. The, the the Patriots are trying to make the right decisions. They're getting rid of – they got rid of Matt Patricia in that play-calling position. I don't know if he's still going to be with the team. I don't think he's officially left the team yet. So I don't know if they're going to move him around, but Bill O'Brien will be calling the offensive side of things. He will be the offensive coordinator. And now you're moving in the right direction. I know that Mac Jones wants to be able to play with Bill O'Brien. Obviously, he worked with him when he was at Alabama as well. He likes that guy. So that's going to be a first part of the whole equation that's going to be good for the Patriots. Mac Jones being happy. And then you got somebody who's competent when calling play calls. Competent. That's all we needed. That's all it seemed like we needed when we had Matt Patricia. If you just had somebody last year who was competent at times in calling plays, you're probably a better team overall. So I, I don't know. In, in this one, it's it's I'm happy to see that we got rid of Patricia from that role. Like I said before, I'm okay if he stays in the organization and does some other thing as long as he's not calling plays. That's, you know what I mean? Like, that's okay with me. Patricia, I don't have a problem with him helping out with the defensive side or or being, uh, you know, an assistant to the assistant. Whatever you want to do with him, whatever he wants to do with his career, go for it. Keep learning. But don't be calling the plays. Don't be calling the plays. And Joe Judge needs to just be gone. I know that he's not really being brought back in any role either, so we'll see what he's able to do. But I know that Mac Jones hated him. I was just looking at something, an article that was wrote, written about the whole situation and what Mac Jones thought about Patricia and Joe Judge and things like that. And what it said was, as Patricia came under outside fire as the face of the offense, Joe Judge drew increasing criticism from within. Belichick would blast him in practice, and it wasn't uncommon for Judge and Jones to trade profanity-laced outbursts. Jones's trust in the position coach was effectively non-existent. So they were just firing back and forth without any, uh, you know, muffle, uh, <laughs> without any kind of restraint on what they were trying to say to each other, just letting loose going into it. They go on to say in the article that Mac didn't like him at all and that Judge would speak out extra loudly in meetings trying to project like he was the guy. And I think that it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. A lot of people were frustrated with Joe Judge uh, is, is what happened with that one. So not surprising there. Not surprising that nobody liked the way that things were going. Uh, with that team, it was a very frustrating season overall. I think as Patriots fans, I can talk for a lot of Patriots fans, it was almost nice to get to the end of the season because I just didn't want to have to watch that anymore for a little while. I needed to take a break from everything that was happening. The frustration of that season was very, it, it was it was just in your face the entire time. So 
Uh, in a way, I'm happy. I'm I'm very happy that the season's over uh, for the Patriots, just because we can move on to next year. But I'm also ecstatic that we went out there and as quickly as possible got a new offensive coordinator. The one thing that we've all been freaking out about, bring him in, and now they can start working together. I know that Mac Jones is ready to work with Bill O'Brien, so I'm happy about that. And we'll see how this team improves going forward. It's it's it should be interesting. Uh, to see how the offseason goes for this team. Still got to sure up that offensive line. Still got to go out there and hopefully get them a number one wide receiver. That would be huge for us. Now, there wasn't that wasn't the only thing that I wanted to talk about with the NFL. Obviously, that's more uh, hits home with us. But it was another interesting thing that I found about the NFL and about possible rule changes in the future that I wanted to talk about really quickly. We have, obviously, the situation that transpired at the end of the season with the Bills and DeMar Hamlin. And and luckily, he is continuing to progress his rehab, and he is getting much better. So we're all thankful for that. But what the whole situation brought up was a possible neutral site championship game between the Chiefs and the Bills if the Bills were able to get to that position. Now, obviously, they didn't. They lost to the Bengals horribly, not able to do anything at home. Bills, that was just a a tough loss for them. And now they have to reevaluate where their team is at right now, which uh, also just quick side note, I I didn't want to dump on the Bills too much, but that that the Bills GM, that Brandon Bean guy going out there and making that whole comment about I don't want to suck it bad enough to get Jamar Chase. What, what are you even talking about with that comment? That was like a very out-of-bounds comment, if you ask me, and a very whiny baby type of comment. Are you trying to say that the Bills don't have enough weapons, it, that Josh Allen didn't have enough weapons in this one? They needed somebody like a Jamar Chase? Are you trying to say that the, Bengal, the Bengals did it the wrong way when they not only beat you this year, but last year they went to the Super Bowl? They were the AFC champions last year. Are you trying to say that the Bills didn't do this for a while, suck bad enough to get high draft pick? What exactly are you trying to go in there and say, I just think that this is a horrible combat by Brandon Bean. I don't want to suck bad enough to get Jamar Chase. What what are we what what are we talking about? So he went on to say some other comments. I won't harp too much on that, but the 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 Bills organization is just they're in a bad spot right now. Um uh, Obviously, as a Patriots fan, I feel a little bit happy about that, just being able to see them being tormented over there uh, the, the entire year they had our number. They've had our number for years now. Uh, and even though they were able, the Patriots were able to put up a fight in some of the or that last game, at least in the season, uh, man, they, they've had our number. So it's nice to see <laughs> them falling apart like this. I'm just shocked that the the GM made those types of comments. But anyways, we're going to take another break. Then we're going to finish up the show with one more segment of NFL talk here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back and talking about the NFL right now. They're thinking about some major changes for the possible future. Let's get back into it. Back to my original point here. The... NFL was thinking about doing the neutral site game for the Bills Chiefs if the Bills were able to get to the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. Reason being, they weren't able to complete that game in which DeMar Hamlin had that incident in, and the Bengals and the Bills both lost a game on the season because of that. Now, 
The the Bengals went on to lose, so they didn't even have a chance to get into that home field advantage situation and have it be a neutral site for them as well. But the Bills would have had a chance. The Bills would have had a chance. And that brought up a lot of questions as to how quickly the ownership group was ready to just be like, yep, sure, neutral site, that's fine. Uh, how how quickly they were ready to change the rules. The NFL was ready to go with that. And then an article comes out by Burt Breer, who was actually looking into all of this. Now, it's a, apparently coming out that the NFL has actually been looking into changing the AFC and NFC championship games to neutral sites going forward. They have actually had talks about this. So they want to change the whole dynamic of everything and make it every single year the AFC and NFC championship games are at a neutral site. And I think it's one of the dumbest things that they've come up with lately as changes to the game. Sure. I was against things like changing the numbers so that everybody could have whatever number they wanted at any point on the field. So a cornerback could be number one now and a, a, a wide receiver could be number 27 if they want to or whatever, like goofy things like that. I didn't like that as much. Maybe you can call me the old fuddy-duddy guy who doesn't want to change on that one. But weird changes like that have happened, and I guess that wouldn't affect the game too much other than quarterbacks not understanding, you know, is that a middle linebacker or a cornerback based off of their number. That kind of stuff changed, but it doesn't really have that too, too big of an effect on the game overall. This right here, this change could make a huge difference in how teams operate throughout the season operate at the end of the year the meaningfulness of any games at the end of the year nobody's going to care about the first overall seed anymore if it doesn't lead to home field advantage throughout the playoffs until you get to the super bowl you're you're going from now having the chance to have two home games for the number one overall seed down to just one you do get the buy, so I guess that's still a reason to play for it. Obviously, there's still a reason to play for the number one seed. But you see how it lessens the value of it if you're going to tell them that once you make it to the AFC Championship or NFC Championship game, you are now at a neutral site again. Now, all of that hard work that you put in to get the number one seed, sure, you got the buy, sure, you got one home playoff game, but that's it. That's all you get. We're taking away now one of your home playoff games. And I think that's ridiculous. What's the point? of fighting for the number one seed, proving that you're the number one team in the conference if you don't make it so that everybody has to go through you to get to the finals, to get to the Super Bowl. It just makes no sense to me. So Burt Breer was looking into this and said that they've already actually been looking into possibly changing this, which is crazy to me. But he said, first thing that it would do is it would make it easier to slap naming rights on the game, something presumably you'd never do with the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl every year is the Super Bowl. It's presented by a whole different bunch of people. That's a cash cow for the NFL. They've been able to have advertisements and people, you know, all these kind of companies coming out to shell out money to be involved with the Super Bowl. But now if you were able to do the AFC championship or NFC championship game at a neutral site, now you could have companies sponsor those as well so it could be the doritos afc championship game or it could be uh you know i don't i don't know some car the ford uh NS, nfc championship game from detroit i don't you know what i mean like it could be something like that where it is sponsored wherever it goes based off of 
where the neutral site is or or based off of what companies want to get involved with it. You could do that every single time. And that's the first reason that the NFL would do it. So obviously, right out the gate, it's all about money. And we understand that. That's a reason why the NFL would do that. Secondly, he said, you'd have cities bidding for the neutral site games. And it would allow for places such as Detroit, Minneapolis, and, Indian- and Indianapolis, cities that might not get a Super Bowl once, but possibly never again, a chance to continue capitalizing on having a Super Bowl quality stadium. So for all of these places that got new stadiums, all these places that really want to have more Super Bowls, but in a place like Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's going to be extremely cold there. Nobody wants to go there for the Super Bowl. In Detroit, in Indianapolis, Indianapolis is a great place. They have the draft combine there every year. It's obviously can handle a lot of high traffic and they can do that for the Super Bowl as well. But who wants to go there? to have a Super Bowl weekend, right? But now, if you could have it bid for for a neutral site AFC championship game in Indianapolis, they could go out there, they could sponsor it, now teams can come to them, and they can prove once again, hey, we could be a spot for the Super Bowl, or they just get more money, more revenue from having a championship game hosted at their city. So understandable. Once again, it is all about the money. Third, he says... The NFL could control and sell the suites and tickets. As it is now, teams generally sell those to their season ticket holders and suite holders. The inventory uh, you could have for sponsors and networks and visitors is taken to a large degree by the sponsors and the ticket holders of that home team. So, once again... It's all about the NFL being able to sell their tickets to neutral fans and not having the home fans get first crack at special things like box seats and things like that. So once again, you're taking away from the fans. You're taking away from the specific home teams that earned that victory, that earned that home field right, and you're giving it to the neutral site because money. Because money. That's that's really the only reason, right? So once again, the NFL, scumbag league that it is, But it has us all by the short and curlies at this point because everybody loves the NFL. Everybody wants to listen to the NFL. Everybody wants to watch the NFL and eat up everything that they have to put out there for content. So they can do whatever they want. They really can. I hope they don't decide to make this decision, but they can do whatever they want. At a neutral site, the the article by Burt Breer goes on, at a neutral site, everyone would be free of such obligations. So the NFL could sell all of that in advance or use them with sponsors or corporate partners more efficiently. This is all about the NFL just getting money. So it's it's a sad day. Uh, that more and more things are being changed about the NFL just so that they can get more money, but we have no way to change it, right? They're going to change it if they want to. That's just going to be the future. So just keep looking to the, if you're thinking about how is the NFL going to change going into the future, just think where is going to lead to the most money, right? Adding another regular season game, that's going to be more money for the teams. Adding another, uh, adding a neutral site, at the championship games, that's going to add more money to the league and teams like that. Those are the things that the team, that the league itself, the NFL is going to be trying to do going forward because they can, because they can, because they can.
All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. I just want to say thank you to everyone tuning in here. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great weekend. We will be back again next week to talk all things sports and more. It's the claptrap. You never know what we could get to into on this show, uh, what we will talk it about. But it is up and available as a podcast. Wherever podcasts are found, just search the claptrap. Also available on YouTube. Search the claptrap on YouTube to be able to watch along with i would really appreciate it subscriptions likes all that kind of stuff i would really appreciate it but i hope you guys have a great weekend like i said i'll be back again next week and we'll do this all again all right see you later guys keep it right here on 90.7 wkko for more of the capes classic alternative